Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Out in Quebec, you have Nordic spas. Quebec is uh, the closest that you'll ever be able to get to Europe without going to Europe. There's a completely different culture out here. Most people don't even know that there's a desert out in Canada. We have beautiful Caribbean-type sand out in Ontario. No one really knows that this exists. You have the handful of people, the locals that know, but as a whole, no one really knows. So I'm just happy to be able to put my spin on Canada, give it a fresh outlook, a fresh perspective, and put a little bit of respect on Canada's name in the travel industry. Hi, I'm Kelly Edwards, and this is Let's Go Together, a podcast from Travel and Leisure about the ways travel connects us and what happens when you don't let anything stop you from seeing the world. In this episode, it's all about travel to remote destinations with my guest, Brian McIntosh, a Toronto-born adventure traveler, better known by his Instagram handle, Where in the World is B. Well, my name is Brian McIntosh. I'm a travel influencer, a scenic and lifestyle photographer, a travel engineer, and a visual architect. So I've been to about 91 countries and counting so far and six continents. The pandemic slowed me down a little bit, but hopefully 2022 will be my year again to keep going on. And right now, I work with a lot of high-end Airbnbs and hotels to aid with their marketing efforts. I also work with a lot of tourism boards to bring more awareness to their destinations. So I'm really passionate about showcasing unique travels to the world, but especially to the Black community, because most of us have never had Black people tomorrow after in the industry. So I want to encourage them and motivate them that they too belong here. So tell us the story of how you became a travel influencer. How I became a travel influencer really stems from how I became a photographer, which then stems from how I became a travel in general. So back in 2008, both of my parents lost their jobs due to the recession. And at that point, I was the only child that was able to contribute financially to help them stay afloat. So that whole entire period was very stressful for me. I was at a loss. I wasn't sure what to do because at that age, I was really trying to stack my dollars up, trying to get myself ahead in life and purchase a home and buy a new car. But I had to really put things into perspective and see what was important. So I had to prioritize my parents first to make sure that they were good. So as I was staying home, helping them out, I used travel as a coping mechanism to help me to handle the depression that I was going through. So anytime that I would hop on a plane and land in a new country, it would give me this natural high that I couldn't get anywhere else. And it was just something that I just became addicted to. So as I was going through my travels, I started noticing uh, as I went through the magazines on the back of the plane that they all had pretty much a common theme when it came to depicting travel imagery is usually when it came to black people you see them in a very subservient position and i was just getting tired of that and i literally thought to myself in my seat that what am i going to do about this am i going to complain or i'm going to try to make a difference and at that point i decided okay you know what i do like photography let me see if i can kind of step it up a notch and see what i can do to contribute to the travel industry 
So then I started really trying to hone my skills, learn more about photography and not just photography from the point of just getting better angles, but really understanding the three pillars of photography, the ISO, the aperture, the shutter speed, and really trying to have that sink in. So once I got really good at that, every trip was kind of like a practice round for me, just trying to get my skills tighter. And then I started to pick up steam on social media. People were started commenting more on my stuff. And then from there, once I had a little bit of recognition online, actually the Barbados Tourism Board messaged me through DM and asked me if I wanted to participate in their crop over back in 2018. So that blew my mind because I, at that point, never was offered anything in terms of um, any kind of brand deals or working with any tourism boards. So that was an opportunity I definitely had to hop on. So when I went down to Barbados, I was able to connect with other influencers and travel writers that were down there. And I really realized that this is really real. Like this really happens. People are flown to places to promote them. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have a huge following. You don't have to be the best photographer, but you do have to have a level of confidence to put yourself out there and believe that you can do what you do to the best of your abilities. So once that happened and I was able to network all those people down there and instill all that confidence in me, I started to use that as a way to reach out to other brands and other tourism boards to say, hey, I'm out here because I realized just putting work out there on Instagram wasn't enough. Like I had to actually be actively promoting myself. And by doing that, a lot of people started paying attention to what I was doing. And then once I got one brand deal, it led to another and then led to another. And then things just started snowballing from there. So that's pretty much how it happened. I really am happy for you that it happened that way. It just took that one experience down in Barbados for you to network and connect with other people, but also for you to see the light. And your way of doing that is through photography, which I think is really, really incredible. You are really passionate about exploring the great outdoors. When did you start developing an interest in traveling to remote places? And what do you like about going on rugged adventures? Well, I first started developing this, I would say, probably about five years ago. When I first started traveling, I was really all about the all-inclusive vacations, the partying, sightseeing, of course, but I was doing a lot of touristy stuff. And then at a point, I just got tired of it. I was seeing the same images online all the time. And although like those images are online all the time for a reason, because those experiences are great or memorable, but I just felt like I was missing something, like I needed to dive deeper. So then I recall booking a few villas out in Bali and those villas were in remote areas in the jungle. And that was kind of like my lead into remote travel because although I was in a remote place, or seemingly remote. I still had the conveniences and amenities of the hotel that I was staying at, but it allowed me to really connect with nature and enjoy the silence that was around me. And that was something that I never really had just exploring the city. So I really realized that that silence allowed me to understand a little bit more about what I was trying to do with travel and where I wanted to go with it. And it just brought me a level of peace that I never had before. So it was something that I wanted to continue. And from there, I really started getting into the more rugged travels when I went out to the west coast of Canada in British Columbia and I started doing a couple hikes. So I was ill prepared for those hikes. I was just wearing <laughs> like uh, just wearing regular running shoes. And um, I just thought, OK, you know what? I'm just going to hike and no problem. But this was like in the middle of July, my first hike out there. 
and I encountered like a whole patch of snow that I barely got over to make it to the summit of what I wanted to see. So from there, once you, I made it to the top, that feeling of going through all those obstacles, not knowing if I was actually going to make it, actually made the view even more special for me. So it was just an addiction, just knowing that, wow, like I actually did this. I did something that black people aren't known to do. And I didn't do it just because we're not known to do it. I did it because I actually wanted to do it. But I was happy that I was able to document my journey. I was happy that I was able to document the view from the summit to help encourage other people that are black as well to realize that we can do this too. We don't have to be confined to just your typical party vacations out in Dubai or Miami. Like we can diversify. There are other ways of experiencing travel. So I just love the Rugged Adventure Be just because of that journey and just getting to that end point just makes everything so much sweeter. Absolutely. I'm over here like, preach, <laughs> let the people know. And I have to tell you, I was actually giggling <laughs> when you say you were ill prepared for that hike, because I could imagine I am the person who, you know, has been doing the outdoor adventure travel for a while. So I've always like been prepared from a kid from learning that from my father. But I know people like you who have been like, you know, I'm in good shape. I was an athlete. I can go do this hike and be sat back on their tush from not knowing what to expect. And so I'm over here like, I just can imagine. He said he came across a patch of snow and he had on sneakers. Oh my gosh, that was a bad moment for him. For sure. Exactly. Like, <laughs> like nowadays, you know, <laughs> I'm prepared. I have crampons for that. They're basically like ice cleats. So I, I wear those, right? But um, you have to remember, like, I'm carrying like a big backpack full of gear. So that makes my hikes even more challenging, right? So yes. it's a, definitely a workout. It was something that I thought, yeah, you know, I'm pretty fit. I used to be an athlete. I can probably do this. And <laughs> I knew it. Yeah, I'm there catching myself taking like multiple breaks and wondering, man, I'm out of shape. I got to get back in the gym. (laughs) (laughs) I know this is so funny to me. But as you and I both know, and a lot of people have experienced, we learn through these experiences. So you can catch us off guard one time, but you better believe we're not going to put ourselves out there to be caught slipping ever again. And so I can tell that in your voice. You're like, "Uh uh-uh, never again. Absolutely. You touched on something a little bit earlier about that black people don't do this and that they're not hiking or exploring the great outdoors. And this is also a narrative that has been presented to me and why I very much fiercely push that black people, men and women, we can do all the things, including adventure travel. I've had my own experiences as a black woman in the outdoors world and space. How has your experience been as a remote traveler, as a black man? You know, my experiences as a remote traveler, the black man, hasn't really been much different than my experience as uh, just a traveler in general. Typically, when I reach my destination, everything's all well. There's no issues there, but it's really the journey where I may encounter some issues, like the border crossings where I'm interrogated for no reason. So I'm actually an electrical engineer. And I remember one time I was out in... Australia, just trying to get into the country. I came from the Solomon Islands, which is another remote area. So the officer there, the customs officer had asked me a whole bunch of questions that were engineering related that I've never experienced in my life. So basically he was trying to catch me slipping just to make sure that I was actually an engineer. He was asking me very specific industry related questions that you wouldn't be able to answer unless you were in that industry. And that was something that threw me way off. And I still face 
some discrimination. I still face some overt racism, but thankfully, overall, I haven't had too many negative experiences. I do remember one time, another Australian experience, actually, I was leaving Australia. This is a separate occasion. I was leaving Australia and I was putting my bags through the x-ray machine right before I was about to catch my flight. So I put my bags through the x-ray machine. I went through the body scanner. Everything was fine. And um, I was traveling with a friend and she went through all fine, no issues. So now once my bag was coming through the x-ray on the conveyor, I was taking my stuff off because there was a lineup. So I figured, let me take my stuff off. I have a lot of gear. Let me move myself to an area where I can just put my stuff together. When I did that, an officer came up to me and asked me if he can swab me. And I was just looking at him like, swab me? Like, why? Like, what happened? I thought I went through the x-ray machine fine. And then his partner that was actually operating the x-ray machine, he was looking at me like I was crazy. Like, why don't you just let him do his job? What's wrong with you? Just let him do his job. So that came out of nowhere. I'm all confused. And so they swabbed me. They put me through the system and I came back out negative. No problems. And then after I was just asking the officer, like, so what was the deal with that? And then he was actually pretty kind. He was going to show me uh, another person who's about to do that to him, why he was going to do it. And then the guy who was operating an x-ray machine interjected. And he was like, what are you still doing here? Don't you have a flight to catch? Ha <laughs> shoo, shoo. He was literally giving me the shooing motion with his hands. And at that point, I was so livid, but I knew the position that I was in. I was a black man in a foreign country. And if I lashed out, I would be blacklisted and it just wasn't worth it. But man, it was really, really, really hard to compose myself. But I'm happy that I did because I probably wouldn't be the person I am right now and have all these opportunities to travel had I reacted differently. Oh, very much so. I will say that one thing within our community, we have this image of us, of the angry black man, the angry black woman. And so we have to do our best to mask that, even when sometimes the anger is deserved and it should be shared with the person who is inflicting the harm or the pain upon us. But we have to always be the bigger person and not do that. And honestly, I'm tired of it and I'm sure you are too. But at the end of the day, the bigger picture is, is that we want to put out a positive experience and image of ourselves so we contain it for the greater good. We're always making sacrifices. And so I'm sorry that you encountered that, but I will say that your platform and what you're doing now is so important. So thank you for being able to do that. Yeah, it was really hard because even after that, he still was chiming in with some words because uh, the person was traveling with female and he was looking at her like, he doesn't listen, does he? Is he always like this? And just making a whole mockery out of it. So it literally brought me back 400 years to when, you know, slave owners would really bring down the black man in front of the black female and make us look like we were powerless and worthless. So that was really deep for me. And uh, yeah, it was definitely a moment of truth and I'm happy to pass that test. When we come back, Brian recounts his most recent adventures exploring his home country of Canada and also shares some tips for aspiring adventure travelers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Welcome back to Let's Go Together from Travel and Leisure. My guest is Brian McIntosh, a travel influencer who has been to 91 countries and counting. Like most travelers, the COVID-19 pandemic put a huge damper on Brian's travel plans. But luckily, he discovered that he didn't need to look far from home to find his next grand adventure. So your Instagram handle is where in the world is B? Mm. But due to the pandemic, you spent the last year exploring your own home country of Canada. How has that been traveling around the Canadian backcountry? It's been amazing. I've never realized how beautiful this country was until the pandemic, which I know is sad. But traveling within Canada is very frustrating because it's extremely prohibitive. Airlines charge an arm and a leg for some flights. And when it comes down to like consumer choice, a lot of us are just going to choose to go elsewhere. The cost of flying to the east coast of Canada can sometimes be more expensive than just flying to Jamaica. So wow. coming out of Toronto, most people are going to be like, all right, well, I'm just going to go to Jamaica. Why would I go anywhere else? So it's been really eye opening for me because I don't believe Canadian tourism has been marketed well. Just driving down the highway in Toronto, you see billboards of everywhere else but Canada, like go explore Cuba, go to Mexico, visit Bahamas. But you never see like go to British Columbia, go to Alberta. And these places are beautiful, too. They have so many hidden gems, but it's just not marketed towards us. So when I post what I post on Instagram, especially when it comes to the Canadian content, a lot of my Canadian followers are just blown away because they had no idea that existed because a lot of us just stay within our province. But I'm so happy that I've now had the opportunity to see so much of this country. I have so much more to see. I'm just trying to see what I can with the restrictions that are in place here because there's still a lot of restrictions. But things are starting to slowly ease and probably won't ease up completely until maybe another two or three months. But uh, man, I'm talking about you're seeing like the most amazing hot springs out in BC, natural hot springs out in the wilderness. Some require a hike, some are very easy to get to. Out in Quebec, you have Nordic spas. Quebec is uh, the closest that you'll ever be able to get to Europe without going to Europe. It's a completely different culture out here. Most people don't even know that there's a desert out in Canada. We have a desert and it's in BC. That's our only desert, actually. We have beautiful Caribbean type sand out in Ontario. And like I said, no one really knows that this exists. So you have the handful of people, the locals that know, but as a whole, no one really knows. So I'm just happy to be able to put my spin on Canada, give it a fresh outlook, a fresh perspective, and put a little bit of respect on Canada's name in the travel industry. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, the respect is definitely put on Canada's name, especially going to your feed. That's the truth. <laughs> Tell us about some of your most memorable travel experiences over this last year. Oh, the most memorable. Huh? I've really been out in the wilderness a lot. So I remember when I was out in Whistler, B.C., I was just out in the village, a pedestrian village, and it was out at nighttime. And I saw a lot of people just with their cell phones recording something. I'm like, what is going on? Like, what's really happening here? About uh, five seconds later, my eyes were able to tune into what I was seeing. I saw this black figure, but it actually was a bear walking through the village. And that's not normal at all. I don't know where that bear came <laughs> from, but the bear was just walking through the village like it was a normal night. And that was crazy to me. I also remember pulling up into a parking lot and just seeing a bear just chilling in the parking lot. These are things that I'm not used to coming from southern part of Ontario. 
So that was insane. But uh, the hot springs out in British Columbia are just absolutely phenomenal. There's so many, and I was hoping to try to reach a good majority of them, but it's very difficult because a lot of them are in very, very remote places. But those hot springs, especially in the wintertime, they have to be experienced. Just go when it's frigid temperatures, just find yourself a nice hot, hot spring, and then hopefully it's snowing that day as well. So you can just enjoy the snowflakes just falling on your forehead and then your body is just so warm that the ambient air does not matter to you at all. It is truly an experience. So I remember posting some of that and people were like kind of apprehensive about trying to experience. But once you try it, I'm telling you, you're going to love it. Hey, you don't have to convince me. That's the truth. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready to do all of the things, but I love that you're encouraging other people to step outside of their comfort zone because that's when you can really have the most memorable travel experiences. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. (laughs) Since you like to spend a lot of time traveling to remote places, can you share with us some of your best practices for traveling to remote destinations? Yes, when it comes to remote destinations, you always have to think safety first. So when I'm making my trip, I always try to leave my itinerary to a few people, friends and families. I'm also always thinking about, okay, what if I lose connectivity with my cell phone? So I'm always downloading offline maps from Google Maps because I'll literally be driving where I have perfect signal. Then all of a sudden it's just dead and I have no idea when it's going to come back to life. So that can be very nerve wracking when you're not prepared. But when I have an offline map, it just kicks into offline mode and I'm still able to get turn by turn directions and guide me safely to where I need to be. I also always have to think about food, snacks, water, the basic essentials, make sure that I have a power pack to charge my cell phone multiple times over. I also make sure that um, I'm prepared with like a sweater just in case. I do a hike and for some reason the weather changes because when you do some hikes and you get up to a higher elevation, the weather just changes dramatically. It's not like what it was when you were down 2,000 feet below. The weather is way different. It could be windier, it could be raining, snowing, and you might actually be trapped. So there was a case where I was almost stuck on a hike in Hawaii and thankfully I was prepared for it. I did end up coming down safely, but I had prepare just in case I had to sleep overnight and hopefully that would have just been a one-nighter but you always have to think of the worst case scenario and I always bring flashlights headlamp I always make sure I start these things early on in the day so I can utilize the sunlight because you really don't want to rely on your flashlight or headlamp you want to just utilize the natural light that's given to you by the sun so you can go up and down safely And uh, there's a lot of other things that you got to consider, bug spray and things like that. But I try to consider as much as I can and bring as much as I can carry without breaking my back and doing these things. (laughs) One thing that I would always encourage people to do is they got to learn how to read maps. We rely so heavily on electronics and turn-by-turn navigation. So I like that you said download the offline maps. But also, when you're going to these places, you can get a physical map. So you need to know how to read it, where's north, south, east, and west, have a compass, because if you're going to be out in the great outdoors, you do need to be prepared for any and everything. As you were saying on that Hawaii hike that you were doing, you almost had to spend a night overnight. People think that it's a game out here. It really is not. So if you want to go that route, you definitely need to be prepared as best as possible. So I really, really love what you just shared. Yeah, that's a great tip. I'm bringing an actual physical map. That's something that I actually don't really practice, but I should really implement that because that's a great backup. You never know. Even uh, just having an offline map 
who knows my cell phone could fail right so just having another backup in addition to the offline map is something that's totally advantageous Thank you for agreeing. We're on the same page. <laughs> I know if me and you go somewhere, we're going to come out okay. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> so for the listeners that you've sold on trying out remote traveling to, what's a good beginner destination that you recommend? A good beginner destination? There's um quite a few. I would say for Canada, I will say Vancouver is a great beginner destination because Although Vancouver is a metropolis, it's near a lot of hiking areas. So great starting points for hiking and getting to more remote areas of British Columbia. So I think that would be very good to begin. There's ample amounts of trails that you could explore once you use Vancouver as a starting point. For people who live in the States and aren't able to come up to Canada, I would say White Sands National Park. White Sands is a phenomenal area where the sand which is not actually sand, is uh, gypsum, but we call it sand just for um, ease of conversation. But that sand looks like it is snow. It's pure as white, it is unbelievable, and it's honestly like you're in another world once you're there. You can hear a pin drop, that's how silent it is out there. And the reason why I say that's a, a great beginning point because you're actually not too far from the nearest town. Uh, you can actually either camp there overnight or you can uh, just stay in town if you choose to. But the fact is that if you want to experience remoteness, but still know that you're not too far away from civilization, I would say White Sands National Park. And then for people who just want to do something more international, I would say Peru or Mexico because Peru or Mexico, they have a lot of tourists that go there. So you can be comforted by the fact that you can find help if you need to, or you can relate to somebody that is from somewhere that's uh, close to home. But at the same time, you're able to find a lot of remote hidden gems and be in a totally new culture and really get to deep dive into what they have to offer. You want to put yourself in a position where like you're able to get the help that you need if you have to. It's kind of like I'm sure you know flying an airplane. Airplanes don't necessarily take the most direct route. They fly over a lot of hubs in case they got to land mm -hmm. for emergencies. So you kind of have to think that way as well when you're planning your remote travels. Very much so. And I always keep a, a Garmin on me. You can use a Garmin in reach. You can use a Spot, I believe. These are devices that if you need to send a text message out or you need to do a SOS signal and get picked up, that's always in my arsenal too, because sometimes you are in a, also in a place where no one's around. And some of these devices that they have out there make it so that you, you have a chance. So always bet on yourself for sure, but also don't be afraid to um, use the tools that may be available to you. Absolutely. So my last question to you is, where are you headed next? I wish I could answer that question with complete confidence, but I really don't know because <laughs> <laughs> the situation here in Canada seems to be changing all the time. I literally thought I'd be mm -hmm. out of Canada multiple times this year, but it's already midway through the year and I'm still here. <laughs> and I don't want to say that I'm stuck here because it's actually, it's actually a blessing to be here to explore a place that I never once thought of exploring. It's my backyard as well, but it's given me the time that I never afforded to myself to actually check out to see what's really going on in Canada. And if I had never have gotten the international experiences that I've had years prior, I would not have respected and appreciated all that I'm seeing right now in Canada. So if 
the borders do open up i would like to probably just honestly just go to caribbean just chill out i've been doing a lot here in canada and i'm I just need to just relax a little bit. So it won't be a destination for me to just explore per se. I kind of just want to chill out for a little bit, just refresh myself, get a restart on my body and then tackle the world again. But if I stay in Canada, then I definitely want to see the East Coast. They've been restricted for the longest time now since uh, I believe maybe even March 2020. I haven't been able to go out there because they have a 14 day quarantine. So once you enter, you have to quarantine yourself for 14 days and I just don't have that kind of time. So once they open up, then I'd love to go and explore out there. Well, Brian, thank you so much for sharing your insights, your experience and your tips with our listeners. This has been an amazing interview with you and I've really, really enjoyed talking with you. And I hope that me and you can hit these outdoor streets together one day. Yeah, for sure. Once Canada opens up. This has been Let's Go Together, a podcast by Travel and Leisure. I'm Kelly Edwards. My guest for this episode was Brian McIntosh. Make sure you follow Brian's travels on Instagram at Where in the World is B. Be sure to follow Let's Go Together on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the show, we'd really love it if you could leave us a rating and review. Join us again next week when guest host Tanner Saunders from Travel and Leisure talks with actor and comedian Margaret Cho about comedy and travel. Thanks to our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Matt Sav, Danielle Roth, Lena Beck-Sillison, and Marvin Yu. This show was recorded in Los Angeles, edited in New York City, and can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks also to the team at Travel and Leisure, Deanne Kurzerski, Nina Ruggiero, and Tanner Saunders. You can find out more at travelandleisure.com slash podcast. You can find Travel and Leisure on Instagram at Travel and Leisure, on Twitter at Travel Leisure, on TikTok at Travel and Leisure Mag. And you can find me at Kelly Set Go. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you back here next week for more from Let's Go Together.